Good morning once again, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Alan. Last week, of course, was Easter, and I just wanted to celebrate with you that we had about uh, 4,900 people here over the five services, which is more than we've ever had at any event, and so we're thrilled with that. We asked you to invite people, and we asked you to come, and you did both of those things, so thank you, and uh, it was just a great celebration of of the resurrection, and so we're thankful uh, for you and for last Sunday. The one kind of main blemish on last weekend, for those of you who may have been aware of our overflow issues, so we needed overflow at the 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock service. Uh, but, but we had some technical issues with overflow. So if you had to endure overflow last week, I'm so sorry. Uh, it was not great experience. Uh, we are going to work on it. We're gonna, that's going to be a top priority for us uh, next time we have an event like that. Uh, but if, let me just tell you, if you came last week for the first time and you were stuck in overflow and you're back this week, I'm very impressed. I'm like, I want to meet you. I am completely impressed if that is the case. So uh, last week at the end of the service, we asked you to fill out cards and, and none of you did it until I told you you could win an Apple Watch and then everyone was filling out their cards. And so we did, we, we, we gathered all of the um, cards. This is a bucket of, of the, the, the cards from Easter. And I would dig down in there and pick a card out for the winner of the Apple Watch but I won't at this service because we already picked a person and they already picked up the watch. So I'm sorry it was none of you, but the winner was this card here from the eight o'clock service. Lorraine Gazzara uh, won the watch and uh, uh, she wasn't there for the eight o'clock service, but uh, somebody came up at the 9.30 service. I think it was Lorraine. Somebody came up and picked up the watch. It was a man, and so I don't, I don't know. We should, probably should have double-checked that. Should have asked for ID, but anyway, uh, the watch was uh, won by, uh, by somebody, and so once again, sorry that it uh, wasn't you. But way better news than that. This is, this, this is just great. On this card, if you remember, the second last option uh, of boxes to check said, I woke up this morning, I choose to follow Jesus. This was a box to indicate anybody at Easter celebration last week who shifted from I don't know about Jesus to I know Jesus is Lord and I want to follow Jesus. These are people who, who became followers of Christ last Sunday, and if they indicated this box. And of all these cards that came in, 178 checked that box. So that's awesome. If that's you, if you are one of those 178, and whether you've been here for a while or that you were just kind of brand new with us, we are so glad that you're here, honored to continue this journey with you and figure out what it means for us to follow Jesus. So glad that you're here. And uh, so I wanted to pause as we get started here today and uh, just thank God for, um, for what he's doing uh, in and through us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I am thankful for the Easter celebration. I'm thankful that this is a, this is a season where we are just, just open to you and your story, open to spiritual things. So, Father, I'm, I want to pray for the 178 who checked that box last week. I pray that whether they go to this church or another church or just traveling through, whatever the journey is, God, we, that you would uh, continue your pursuit of depth of relationship with them. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, what, one of the things that flows 
well from that is, is the whole idea of, of, it's one thing to cross the line of faith, but then it's a whole other thing to, to continue that journey and grow in our discipleship process. And so last week, I introduced you to something we're very excited about that we're going to be launching in the fall, and it is a, a new um, pathway for spiritual formation, something we've never done here before, we've been working on for quite some time, that we are going to launch in the fall called One of the Twelve. And the general idea is imagine that Jesus has looked you in the eye and inviting you to become one of his twelve. Not someone who's distant and kind of barely knows Jesus, but someone who is with Jesus and walking out this journey with, with our Lord. If you are uh, a follower and and you just think, you know, I've, I've been running in fourth gear and you're kind of stuck in fourth gear wondering what it would like to get into fifth gear in your spiritual walk, this is for you. If you know that there's so much more to being a follower of Jesus, you just haven't quite experienced it or felt it or touched it yet, this is for you. If you have not yet prioritized Jesus in your life and you would like to, you've heard about this concept of having Jesus really be the Lord of your life and you haven't done that yet, this is for you. What we're going to do is have an informational meeting next Sunday following this service. So after the 11 o'clock service at 1215, we'll have an open invitation uh, meeting for you to come and learn more about what it is so that you can find out whether or not this is something for you in the fall. One of the 12 is not for everybody, but we want to find out if this might be for you or not. So this is happening. The information meeting is happening next Sunday at 12.15, lunch will not be provided because fasting is part of discipleship. So we just want to, we want to warm you up on that. Okay, so we'll just have a short meeting with some Q&A and uh, we'll kind of see what we can do in preparation for the fall. The reason we're so excited about uh, one of the 12 is that it is a mandate from the king. It is a mandate from Jesus that we make disciples that this is what we're called to do. This is what we're, these are the marching orders from Jesus himself. That every great leader provides clear expectations in terms of what, what is asked of them. And Jesus, as the greatest leader who, who's ever walked the planet, provided great clarity in terms of what we are supposed to do. We are to make disciples. Uh, at the very end of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, it, it, it famously ends with Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That this is not about just gathering a crowd of 4,900 people. It's, we are excited about that because it gives us more opportunity to make disciples. It's all about making disciples. That there are all sorts of different kinds of churches. There are big churches and medium churches and small churches and loud churches and soft churches and, and goofy churches and more serious churches, all different feels and styles, et cetera, and lots of different things that we can, we can decide are gonna separate us from one another. But really all that matters is this mandate that we are to make disciples. So Jesus says here in these famous words, go and make disciples of all nations. Go. So for this Sunday and next Sunday, we're doing a two-week series where we are looking at what it means for us as a church to do local and global outreach. In what ways are we going 
to have an impact in other parts of the city, in other parts of the world. Again, because this is the mandate from our king. Somebody has asked me recently, very genuinely, just asked, why do we do all these trips? Why do we go to these places? What, what is the purpose of going? Uh, there's so much that still needs to be done here in this area. Why do we put so much time and energy and resources towards going other places? A very legitimate question. And my answer, actually, to this person is, is, the, is the setup for the next two weeks. Because uh, I just kind of thought, well, how do we do this whole go concept? There's two reasons that we go. We go for them. We go because, because uh, God wants us to bring food and healing and compassion and love to others. And we go for us. We go because our hearts need to get out of the Awatuki bubble. We need to get out and see the world that God sees. We need to see something outside of our own experience and just kind of have a, a, a glimpse of, of what God is dealing with from a world perspective. So we go for them, which is what we're talking about this Sunday, and we go for us, which is what we're gonna talk about next Sunday. Next Sunday also, as Jim said, we are going to do our, our Easter, our annual Easter outreach offering where everything, everything that comes in uh, in terms of uh, uh, dollars next Sunday all goes, goes towards the, the outreach items that are listed on this card. Either you received one on the way in or you could pick one up on the way out. But this card is a list of our outreach ministry partners that we, are, that we feel called to team up with. So I'm going to talk more about that uh, in just a minute. But there is, a, there is some tension in this area of what are we supposed to go do for them, okay? So if, if there is some benefit for them somewhere in the city or elsewhere in the world, th there's this tension within, within the Christian church about what, what exactly are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to go and tell them about Jesus or are we supposed to go and help them? heal them, provide for those who are in need. There, there is tension there. There's tension between, uh, is this about a gospel of, um, of presentation? Are we supposed to present the gospel? Or is it the gospel of demonstration? Are we supposed to demonstrate the gospel in terms of the hands and feet of Jesus and helping people out? There's tension in scripture. We have Paul who says, people need to hear, and they can't hear unless people go out and tell them. So we need to tell them about the story of Jesus. And there's, then on the other side, we have James, who's this practical, you know, guy's brother of Jesus, is super practical in all that he says. He says, pure religion, pure faith system is about caring for the widows and the orphans. And so there's this tension between, do we, do we tell them or do we show them? Is it, is it, is it, a, is it a, a presentation or is it a demonstration? There have been waves throughout church history. Generations have kind of shifted from one to the other. You know, they've kind of shifted from, hey, it's all about presentation. We just need to make sure they understand and know about Jesus. We're not going to care for their needs. We're just going to make sure we proselytize them. And then there have been other generations and parts of history where it has shifted where, where no, it's not. We, we need to make sure we are taking care of them, caring for the poor and, and serving them, et cetera. And so it has shifted a little bit. We have individuals in this church who are going to be strong on one end of that versus the other. 
Where are you? As you think about our role up towards them in other parts of the city, other parts of the world, where do you land on that, on that spectrum? I wonder if the tension exists so that we would all be mindful of the fact that we need both sides. It seems to me that there is a need for both of those pieces and that we're not leaning just towards one or the other. And so in our efforts to make a difference in this world, we want to balance both the presentation of the gospel and the demonstration of the gospel. I think it's evidenced by Jesus himself. So I want to look back at Matthew Uh, Once again, and in the early chapters of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, there is a a verse that starts off a whole story that takes place in Galilee. I want to read this verse here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among them. Now, there's this multiple chapter story that rolls through the book of Matthew, and it ends in chapter 9, where Matthew writes this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, chapter 9, verse 35, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. With these side by side up here on the screen, can you tell any similarity between these two verses? These verses separated, chapter 4, chapter 9, and they're almost identical. And both verses clearly say that Jesus went out teaching and healing. Jesus went out teaching and healing. In Matthew chapter 4, again, this is the beginning of this narrative with regard to Galilee. Galilee is an area north of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, of course, is the, is the center of the, the Easter story and where, where much of the story takes place. But in the early years of Jesus, he was up in Galilee, by the Sea of Galilee. That's the area where he grew up. So he started his ministry. He called his disciples up in Galilee. And it's, it's, uh, it's up in that region where, he's, where he teaches them. So these verses say he, he was teaching and he was healing. We find in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, this famous section of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. Just this incredible package of teaching from Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus teaches in a a powerful way what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Then in chapters 8 and 9, we find stories like this. I got little titles in my NIV Bible. Uh, Chapter 8, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Jesus heals many. Jesus restores two demon-possessed men. Chapter 9, Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. Jesus heals the blind and the mute. We see... Chapter 4, it says Jesus is teaching and healing. And then we see teaching and healing. And then chapter 9, it says Jesus goes out teaching and healing. The fullness of the gospel is a balance between teaching who Jesus is and what that story is and healing, dealing with physical needs. That the kingdom is relevant to, our, to the material world. The kingdom of God is relevant to our material world. When we think of global outreach, it's not our role to see someone 
who is, who is hurting, who is starving, and say, we'll pray for you. That, that a child, a child who is starving doesn't have the capacity to learn about Jesus and embrace this stuff. They need food. But on the other hand, the kingdom is also relevant to the spiritual world. Of course it is. It's a spiritual kingdom to the, to the, to the spiritual part of the journey. That we in our global outreach, we can't go find somebody who is uh, uh, dying on the side of the road and pick them up and bandage them and take care of them and, and, and take them to the nearest hotel and pay for them to be taken care of at the hotel just the way the, the Good Samaritan did in that whole story. We can't do all of that without telling them about Jesus. It's not just about, about healing them physically. It's not just about their material needs. There's also a spiritual need there too that, that people need to understand the story and Jesus' role in that story. It's both the fullness of the gospel is both teaching and healing. It's both teaching and healing. So what I wanna do with the rest of our time is just kinda give you a little bit of a picture in terms of what we as a church, what we as a church feel called to do in terms of loving and serving those here in our city and around the world. Again, these cards are available on your way out if you haven't received one yet, but this is a list of all the, the, the local and global partners that we feel called to participate with, and all of the dollars next week will go towards these ministries here on this list. And these are people who are experts in different parts of the world that we have teamed up with. See, our call as a church is this area. It's Awatuki Chandler. This is our pond in which we are to fish. And we will hopefully continue to be creative in terms of how we fish and how we make disciples and how we grow and enjoy one another. That's, that's what we're called to do. But when it comes to outside of that area, other parts of Phoenix and other parts of the world, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We're not experts about everything. And so we, we want to team up with people who are experts in those parts of the world. Everybody on this list, every ministry here is somebody that we have a track record with. We either have long-term relationship with these places or there are people who are, uh, there are organizations that have been started by mountain parkers or that employ mountain parkers. And so we know them, we have a track record with them. We're not going to gamble with outreach money. We want to invest it wisely in areas that are, that are making a difference here in this city and around the world. So for example, Heart for Lebanon is one of the ministries listed on there. It's the second last one on that, on that card. It's led by a gentleman named Camille Melki, who was a friend of mine when I was in seminary a number of years ago. And he's from Lebanon, he's Lebanese, and he went back to his home uh, uh, country to, to minister and to love on people there. And then the, the Syrian crisis kicked in in that part of the world. And so hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees are pouring into to Lebanon and he feels called to start an organization called Heart for Lebanon where they are loving and serving Syrian refugees who are predominantly Sunni Muslims. So they get to spend time with and love these Sunni Muslims. They're telling them about Jesus. They're doing Bible studies with them and, and, and making sure they understand the spiritual part of the story while they're providing them with necessary bags of food so they can survive. It's a balance of both teaching and healing. 
And so that's one of the reasons we're so excited to connect with them is that they are in line with the mandate set out by Jesus in terms of the, the fullness of the gospel. We have a number of different parts of the world, parts of the city that we're involved with. We have a number of people in our church who are involved with these things. Uh, folks are wearing shirts uh, here in the room with different ministry areas. We've asked them to kind of wear their shirts to represent their ministry area. Uh, outside in the lobby, we have uh, five of the, of the ministries represented uh, outside there, and then another five will be represented next week. So you can go and you can, you can ask questions and learn from them and, and learn more about what we're involved with as a church. I've also asked two ministry representatives to come up and share their story um, uh, here as a part of our service because you hear enough from me. You've already heard plenty from me. And so we want you to hear from two of our uh, leaders in our ministry areas. And in order to do that, uh, because they're going to come up, we thought we kind of do more of a talk show kind of thing. So that's why this is set up. So it would be more like a talk show uh, host kind of scenario. Okay? You okay with that? All right, so in order to do that, you need music. You can't do a talk show without music. So Greg, are you there? Greg? Awesome, Greg. Everybody give Greg a hand, because he's awesome. He really is amazing. All right, do you, have, do you have like talk show music? Just, gen- okay, okay, okay. I've been, uh, I've been watching some talk shows, because I don't know how, to, I, I, I'm a pastor, I don't know how to do a talk show, but, but I've been watching some talk shows, and so I decided that this morning, I'm Alan Fallon. And, and so I watched kind of what, you know, he's, he's the king, he's the best. And so uh, he, he does something that many of you are familiar with. I just thought is so efficient, so wise that he does thank you notes sometimes uh, as, as, as part of the talk show piece. And so I haven't had time to do thank you notes for the Easter experience last Sunday. So I thought I would take this time to, to write some thank you notes. So this will just take a minute before we hear from our two guests. I just have a few thank you notes to write. Okay, you okay with that? You're okay? Okay. Well, you're stuck with it. Whether you're okay with it or not, we're doing... Do you have thank you note music? Can I... See, I may not do my job well, but he kills his job, okay? He kills his part of it. All right. Thank you note number one. Thank you. People who got stuck in the overflow area, I'll see you again next Easter. Because <laughs> they won't be coming back till then. Okay, that's kind of sad. All right, let's go to another, another uh, thank you note. Thank you, Apple Watch winner, for letting me borrow, oh, scratch that, for letting me break it in this week. <laughs> just kidding, I never opened it, but it works just fine, okay? So I'll let them, they don't know if I opened it or not, but I did. It's a nice watch. Thank you, Cafe, for slicing the cost of cinnamon rolls. I was able to get 3,000 calories for $3. That's a pretty good deal. That's like, that's ridiculous. That's 1,000 calories a dollar. That's, that's, that's 10 calories a penny. If you think about it, okay. Thank you. People who attended the 6.30 a.m., 8 a.m., or 12.30 p.m. services. 
I will see you in heaven. That's all I'll say. I, I'm not implying anything else beyond that because that's not for me to imply. Okay, one final one here. Thank you, giant crown of thorns. I never thought 100 pool noodles could have such spiritual impact. Did you know that's what it is? All those, those things that made the crown of thorns, they're brown painted pool noodles. Your wife designs that stuff. She's awesome. She's awesome. Well, those are the thank you notes for this morning. So there you go. I got that done. Whew, got that job done. So let me introduce uh, first of two guests. Uh, he is a part of the Hope for the Homeless Ministry. His name is Don O'Neill. Would you please give him a warm welcome? Don, Don, Don. Will you dance? Thank dance, you. Dance, you. dance, 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 dance. Okay. There you go, sir. Come on. Alan. Fallon. Alan Fallon. Good morning, everyone. You know, sometimes you get what you pay for. Uh, so anyway. So Don, you are involved with Hope for the Homeless. I know many of us here uh, don't even know what that is. So can you tell us uh, what it is and why you are passionate about it? Yeah. A little bit about Hope for the Homeless. About nine years ago, uh, born out of the Hope Men's Hope program at this church, uh, some very significant leadership. Christ Christian leaders like Tim Berry, Jim Lane, Jim Cooper, Greg Battle, and others decided that there was an opportunity to serve the less fortunate in uh, downtown uh, Phoenix in the central business district, homeless primarily. And they started a program around a 12-step program for substance abuse victims. I call them victims because they're suffering from substance abuse or alcoholism. And at 1 o'clock every Sunday, there's a 12-step program that's done now at, uh, at Andre House, which is part of Catholic Charities, but they are kind enough to give us their facility and use it on Sundays. Hope for the Homeless then takes that 12-step program as a centerpiece, and we provide meals, personal care items, and clothing to the individuals that participate in that 12-step program, as well as literally thousands of others over the course of the year that are in need of those types of services. So our hope for the homeless is really focused on individuals suffering from substance abuse and alcoholism, but then we feed, clothe, and provide personal care items to them. And, and obviously for the, with the 12-step program, it's a, it's a very spiritual program. And so there's a balance between spiritual uh, healing and, uh, and needs and physical needs with that ministry for sure. So yeah, you, you can only imagine someone that is either hungry or someone that didn't sleep in a, a bed last night or is cold. Things such as, and it's amazing uh, how much we take for granted, personal items such as socks and underwear, sweatshirts, things that we, again, take for granted are essentials for people that are living on the street. And this was started by, uh, it flowed out of Mountain Park Ministry, and Tim Berry leads this and yeah, uh, so we're so proud to have him part of our church. Tim, Tim started this nine years ago. I had the good fortune of volunteering in a very small way about six years ago. And my, my commitment, my connection really took place when you have the opportunity to hand someone a meal or hand someone even a bottle of water or give them some comfort item. It creates an automatic connection between you, not only the individual, but the larger mission that you're serving. And I've been involved in it about six years. So you've obviously 
uh, painted a picture in terms of what we as a church are doing for them, which is what we're talking about today. Do you have any anecdotal kind of pictures of what we are doing for someone? Uh, those of us that are um, in our daily lives are committed to business practices, good business practices would tell us we have to count. We have to count the number and the thousands of meals we've served or the uh, literally hundreds of volunteers that have participated and the thousands of people that have been served by that. But it goes beyond that because each individual we serve, we may see them once in a very small, limited time. We've had the opportunity to, to see lives changed. And one individual that I'll uh, share with you today or his story with you today is an individual who moved to the United States from Guatemala several years ago with his family. And in short order, he found himself unemployed, estranged from his family, and then as a result of those activities, he, he became homeless. And he became a regular attender at this program we're talking about. He became someone who attended the 12-step program on Sundays. He occasionally would have meals with us. And then through the course of several years, he was able to change that dynamic where he was the one served to someone who was then serving. And in February, we featured a meal that was a recipe that he had brought from Guatemala. And it's a classic uh, Central American dish of rice and beans that's saturated in a real sweet coconut milk. And we, were loved, we really loved having him become part of the giving team as we took the menu item and we put that as a centerpiece of the menu. And as I said a minute ago, someone that had been served then became a servant in this ministry. It's a great story. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Thank you. For sharing. Our next guest is second and uh, second and uh, final guest here this morning is involved with two ministries, India Gospel League, as well as one mission in Rocky Point. Would you please welcome Kate Vine? Come on up, Kate. Thank you. You've been here all morning and, and, and enjoying this with us. Thanks you for sharing once again. So, so you have two ministry areas. Can you tell us why you are passionate about, about one mission in Rocky Point and India Gospel League? So I want to tell everybody I love them both equally. I don't have a favorite between the two of them. Um, some of you may know we travel to Rocky Point, uh, work with One Mission, which is our charity partner in Rocky Point, and... They give people living in poverty the opportunity to work 400 hours to earn a home. When we travel there, um, volunteers from our church actually go down and help build the home for the people who have earned it. And, and they spend the 400 hours working in their community by using the talents that God gave them, um, whether it be cooking at the base camp where we all stay, whether it be teaching um, electrical connections to people, whether it's uh, plumbing, sewing. So they're developing fellowship and they're building their community while they're performing their, their service hours. Um, India Gospel League is something that's dear to me because my mother is from India. And every time I have been around Indian family, um, even when I was a small child, I went there and I just felt enveloped by love. So I feel a very strong connection there and I feel that I want to give back to my heritage. And 
there's much poverty in India, as you had mentioned, and India Gospel League is creating disciples in India. Um, they have barefoot pastors that go to these remote villages where nobody has even heard of Christ. So they're making disciples of Christ, but they're also serving the practical needs of the people, which includes medical care. They provide education even through a community college level, and they also offer economic opportunities through microloans. So they're touching both areas of Paul and James. Outstanding, outstanding. So uh, what about you? Do you have a story about uh, how we have specifically or anecdotally made a difference in somebody's life through those ministries? I have several stories, but I will isolate to one. Um, with one mission, when we went to Rocky Point in November, a team from our church was going to build a home for a family that had a nine-year-old little girl named Amelia. And Amelia had severe cerebral palsy. Um, she is in a wheelchair and she needs constant care. So our team went down and now mind you, I don't have construction skills, but people on our team do. So they were able to adjust the home design to widen the doorways of the home to allow her wheelchair to come in. Um, they were able to lower a window in the wall so she could see out from her wheelchair. Um, they actually took surplus concrete that we had on the job site and they made a sidewalk that went from the sand road into her home. And I don't know if many of you have been to Rocky Point, but the sand in Rocky Point is literally like sand on the beach. So you can imagine that there are families that are trying to raise children that have disabilities and we came in and were able to provide more stability. Um, these homes give them a door they can lock. It gives them a home where their children can study. And, and most of all, it gives them more hope for their future than what they had before. So it's amazing to see the impact. And we went back in April and we had our kids day, which we have on every trip. And all the community kids come out and Amelia's family brought her and to see the joy that she had in her heart seeing all of us again and and just her mother being so grateful that now they have a safe home. They were just very proud. And they, they know it's Christ in action too um, when we're there because they know we volunteer our time to do it. So it's very meaningful to build that fellowship and then see the people time and time again when we go back. Well, thank you for serving. You've been serving for a number of years in those, those areas. And so I'm so glad that you found a place that is meaningful for you. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to I wrap up uh, by continuing to read from chapter 9, uh, the rest of that, of that story. It's at the end of this Galilee narrative. And at the end of chapter 9... Uh, I'm going to reread verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And then Matthew continues, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The harvest is still plentiful here in Phoenix and around the world. And there's still plenty of opportunity for workers to 
to contribute, to invest in these ministries, and to go and experience it and be part of what God is doing. And so this is a, an, an invitation, an opportunity for us as a church to continue to go and make a difference in other parts of the world. Would you bow your heads with me as we close here today? Father, I'm thankful for the ministries that we've connected with. I, I'm thankful for the men and women who, who lead these ministries. I, I know some of them, their very lives are threatened because of the part of the world where they are serving and loving and committed to do that. So Father, we pray for them. We pray that, that our support here in Phoenix is, is meaningful, that we can continue to, to be a part of your story by helping them do what you've called them to do. I pray that each and every one of us here in this room would realize that, that going and making disciples is not just for, for these two here on the stage. It's not just for a few people. It's a challenge for all of us to be a part of what you're doing. Would you challenge us here today and next week to go and make a difference, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, uh, folks, every Sunday we have a prayer team that's gonna gather up front here and they love to pray with you about anything. Uh, we are so glad that you came here today. Uh, have a great week and we'll see you next time.